Hello, and welcome to another Cheeky Scientist radio show podcast. I'm Isaiah Henkel, and I'll serve as your host. And today we will be talking with Michael Papadimitrius on careers as a product manager. This is a very popular position for PhDs that is rising sharply. It's a great position to get into. I highly recommend you listen to the entire uh, radio show podcast here. As always, if you are a PhD looking to get hired in the industry, you can go to phdsgethired.com. Go to phdsgethired.com, put your name and email address in on that webpage, and we will send you all the information uh, about our PhD-specific job search blueprint. Again, it's specifically for PhDs. It's a blueprint for getting hired in industry, and we will also send you information about our PhD-only job referral network. Uh, there are thousands and thousands of members in this network. It's the largest network of its kind, and it's specifically dedicated to helping PhDs get hired in industry. If you want to get these podcasts as well as our other free articles delivered to your email inbox weekly, go to CheekyScientist.com and you can sign up there. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes so that you get these podcasts delivered to you weekly as well. So without further ado, we're going to jump in here and talk to Michael on careers as a product manager. Uh, he's a product manager for Multini Biotech based in Germany and is responsible for the clinical application of gene-engineered T-cells. Uh, prior to his career with Multini, he completed his PhD in immuno-oncology where he studied dendritic cell vaccination. He also has industry experience in production and characterization of monoclonal antibodies um, and immunology. Um, in his spare time, he enjoys running and baking desserts, short and sweet and something the right amount of personal at the end. That's great. That would be something to put on a resume for those of you listening. Um, so thanks, Michael. Thanks again for being here. Uh, the first question we usually want to ask is, you know, why? Start with why. Why did you want to transition out of academia into industry? Yep. Um, so I suppose for me, I never, I don't, I always think I never really transitioned. I always actually wanted to work in industry. So I actually looked for a PhD opportunity that took advantage of where it will lead to eventually because I had industry experience previously. So I knew kind of how things would work and what to look for. Um, so when I was looking for a PhD, I saw one that was very relevant to the field I enjoyed working in, in the biotech company with Miltini. And then I became very fortunate that this one came up. And so that was basically how it worked for me. And was there, what was it about academia that made you think, you know, I don't really want to stick around here. I want to go into uh, something else. I don't want to be a professor. Uh, um, I think I enjoy, like, I mean, I think a lot of pe people who've got PhDs are very exploratory. Mm. Um, they're very methodical people. Um, but at the same time as well, I mean, as I'm very passionate about immuno-oncology, um, so it's a very clinically relevant field. And I suppose when you think about where he's heading in the future, you obviously need to have some business experience as well. Because at the end of the day, what you're researching, what you're developing, what you're testing is always um, going to be end up in a patient or hopefully end up in a patient. Yes. And so what you want to do is you want to sort of have as much exposure as possible to a business environment. And so for me, like I said, I just really enjoyed the whole business side of things as well. And now that you've transition i just want to ask real quick what is the business side like what is different from academia and business that you are enjoying um so probably straight up um you're no longer working on five research projects or whatever you're actually working across with clean dev business development marketing r d sales um yeah all these other different aspects of the company as well and so what you're doing is you're having to spread yourself across multiple different areas to sort of 
understand what's going on, understand your product and where you want to take it to in the future as well. Yeah, so that, I mean, really that, you know, translation from your, sci your scientific knowledge into a product or something that helps somebody, right? And that, that's what you're talking about. Um, what, in terms of your transition, what was the most challenging part? Or how about this? Can you walk us through what it looked like? You know, for a lot of people, it might be referral, phone screen, site visit. Can you break it down for us a bit? Okay. Um, I'll probably start back many years, if that's okay. Um, because yeah. Actually that far back. So during my PhD, I actually um, started networking quite actively. Um, so because I knew that that would play a very important role within getting a job at the end, especially in biotech or pharma. Hmm. Um, and so I started networking. I started talking to people in different biotech companies. Um, I started talking to the Miltini reps quite a bit as well. Um, and so I just kept that relationship going all the time. Then while I was finishing up my PhD thesis, um, I was just looking for jobs just because obviously you need to see what you're doing your PhD so you can get a job at the end of it. Hmm. And then, so I was applying for the jobs, um, the constant rejection as a lot of people probably familiar with as well, but a lot of good feedback as well. Um, a lot of good feedback was you're a great person. We can see that you've got the experience, but oh, sorry, not even the experience, but just the dedication and want to actually do it. Mm. However, they might meet someone who's got more experience sometimes or other aspects, which is fine. Um, then when this job came up, I applied for it. Um, it started off with a first interview, which was just talking about general science, just to make sure I can understand the science and present myself in a particular way and explain um, my scientific background as well. Mm. Then after that, I had a, um, another interview, which was with my current manager. And with that, it was more in-depth and talking about a particular product and what's required day-to-day -day life and everything else. And then I had a final interview, and that was with the country manager as well as um, the CEO of the company. And again, we we're just talking about the business where we wanted to go and how we wanted to work as well. And so basically, all of the process, I mean, the recruitment process took up took nearly six months, I believe. Um, and then basically what happened, wow. I moved very quickly and moved to Germany. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you say that because it can be a, a lot, like parts of the job search process in general are going to seem very long, right? Multiple months. And then things are going to start happening too quickly. And you're like, whoa. Um, and I must admit, for me, it wasn't the fact that you're waiting between things. It's more so you have one interview, one interview the next day you to say, yes, I thought we want to take it forward for another interview. It was the long part because obviously I'm not German. Um, I'm not even European, so for me to get a visa, that was the longest part for me. And so obviously, therefore, I had to wait, I think it's almost two to three months just to get my visa so I can move to Germany. And after that happened, a couple of weeks later, I was in Germany. Yeah. And and so you, you transitioned into a, a product manager position, which is different than project management. Can you do, can you just define what the role is of a product manager? Um, so probably from my experience, I would sort of say it's you're a person responsible for this particular product itself. So you're not managing projects that's going on. You're actually managing the product, mm. which is a very clear distinction to what you're sort of alluding to. Um, so if people have questions regarding the product, if people have questions or if they wish to do something more with a particular product, um, therefore you're actually more responsible for the overall dealings with this particular product, not actually managing a particular aspect of it, if that makes any sense. No, it does. Um, and 
so if you think about like I like to compare it to the counterpart, which is a project manager, right? Because a lot of companies, a product will have a project manager, which is on the R and D side, Absolutely. which will take that product very often from conception all the way to the market yeah. on the R and D yeah, side. I now work with a project manager as well. Right. And then uh, the product manager will take the product from conception to market on the mm -hmm. marketing marketing side. Yeah. And there's a lot of crossover, of course. Um, and for scientific products, what biotech, biopharma, it makes sense a lot of times to have, you know, PhDs in both of those roles. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing for me is, I mean, I think everyone puts so much emphasis in their PhD and what they did and what they studied, um, how many publications, whatever. But for me, I think I've maybe had, what, three scientific conversations with people. Um, and it's more so been about interacting with people, liaising with stakeholders, liaising with different people of a different company, uh, different areas of the company as well, or even different companies of that as well. So it's actually talking about how we can actually manage the product itself. Mm. Yeah. So, and I want to get into key activities so all of you understand the role a bit better. Um, we've hinted at some of them a bit here, but I want to back up and make sure we do a thorough job of after the transition, right? So you talked about the referral process, the length of time, the people you talked to, the interview process. What did it look like after you actually got the job? We don't talk about that enough. Like, what did the onboarding look like? Did you have to take certain exams? You talked about the visa, but like, once you got in there, what kind of training happened? What were the first things you did to get settled in? Um, so probably for me, I was quite lucky. I have a very good manager. She's very um, proactive. So therefore, the onboarding process for me was very uh, beneficial to me because I was able to learn a lot very quickly. And I think there was a big need for my particular, someone to kind of feel fulfilled as well as well. Mm. So therefore, the onboarding for me was one, meeting up with a lot of people and actually discussing what their roles and responsibilities are within the company as well and then how they work with my particular product as well. Um, and then, so I did that. Then obviously with HR, there's a lot of onboarding because obviously not being a native German, um, there's a lot of different regulatory requirements as well that are, I need to do as well. So um, having a relocation assistant was very beneficial to me as well. Um, what else? But no, so, so uh, I just think it's important to realize that it's not like you get the job, for those of you listening, and it's like, Okay, go to work to what you would be doing on the day to day after six months. I mean, no, you're gonna, there's gonna be a lot of HR related stuff, paperwork, mm -hmm. oh, regulatory stuff. You gotta do like online computer trainings very often, right? It might be. Yeah, as you're probably familiar as well, we have to do a lot of instrument training as well. I mean, even though I've been a big time Mutini user throughout all of my career, um, I had to go through and learn how to use an automax. I had to learn how to do flow cytometry again. And just obviously to make sure I'm familiar with our particular and how we sell them. Mm. So, no, yeah, exactly. So great. I'm glad you brought that up. So think about like you almost have to get acquainted with every department, um, with the company as a whole, the culture as a whole, with the instruments in general, I would say throughout the company, you know, all the products, the offerings, but also, I mean, especially deeply with the instruments or the products you're going to be managing as a product manager, right? And this can take time. I mean, it, you know, what, six months uh, easily? I mean, I've got experience with Miltini as well. I mean, obviously, it's as a customer, and obviously now I need to learn it from the Miltini side of things as well. So mm -hmm. now I'll go back and actually learn about um, what's required for Miltini and how we manage those particular products as well and why we do it a particular way. Exactly. So, and then, and once you 
understand that, it becomes easier in terms of the flow of communication, for example, right? It allows you to do your day-to-day job. Um, so once, once you got settled in, once you onboarded, once you got trained, what is it that you do? You mentioned, okay, I don't talk about science that much. We had a question about, you know, do you get feedback from target customers? Maybe you can talk about some of those key activities and then maybe even break down like a, an average day that you have. Um, I don't think it's an average day for one thing, but I will tell you a couple of things. Um, so one, um, marketing plays a big role in a product manager's uh, responsibilities. So I'm required to market a particular product. So therefore, it's figuring out which congresses you want to visit, um, who you want to talk to, which business projects you want to establish. So these are all aspects of marketing. And then obviously even work with R&D of how we can leverage our products in publications as well if we feel like we need to publish the results as well that we've gotten. Um, so there's that marketing mm-hmm. side of things. Then there's obviously the, I'll probably say the regulatory side of things as well. So there's quite often there's regulatory questions which come about and especially in the field of gene engineered T-cells. Um, quite often there's a lot of regulatory questions that are coming from different places all around the world and we need to know how to address them and then how to talk about them in a particular way that we can be beneficial. Because obviously, there's, I mean, CAR T-cells are a very new product out there. I mean, there's only two FDA-approved products. And so how we want to do that in the rest of the world is obviously a very um, mm. difficult aspect. So we need to try to manage that. Um, obviously, work with R&D. So there's quite a lot of discussions about the different projects that are going on as well. So we talk about where we want to go in the future, how we're going to get there, um, what other additional products which we need to get to that particular product as well and where we see things in the future and within, in line with our vision as well of cell therapy and immune oncology. Um, obviously, I talk a lot with sales, so I've got a lot of questions coming from sales staff as well. Yes. And quite often they'll be like, oh, so um, do you have any experience using this particular reagent in this particular system? We talk about that. Um, I have to go through a lot of paperwork to find the results of that as well. Um, I also work very closely with clinical development, business development as well, because since I've got a very clinically relevant product as well, um, we want to try and establish clinical trials. So I do talk a lot with um, some KOLs throughout the world, and we try and establish business projects with them as well, so we can they can benefit from our technology and we can benefit from the results which they uh, generate with our product as well. Mm. And then obviously business development, because we do work with other uh, pharma companies as well, so we want to try it and get them on board to using our technology as well. Um, so yeah, there's quite a lot of different people. Yeah, no, and, and I I love that you explained all those because <laughs> what you should all think about is that is a product. So again, for those of you just joining us, a product manager with a D is managing the product from conception, everything about that product to market and beyond support uh, for the marketing side. Project manager with a J is doing the same thing, but from the R and D side. And they work together most frequently. I'd say that's your probably closest contact um, in terms of uh, horizontal, right, cross-functional relationship. And then vertical, you'd have like a, a marketing manager or whoever above you. We'll talk about that in a second. But you are the key person to contact for that product. You own that product as far as that company is concerned it, at headquarters. So it's almost like you're a headquarter-based liaison for that product. So it doesn't matter if it's somebody in legal somebody in the regulatory department, the sales staff, business development, other marketing staff, executive staff, whoever it is, if they need something about that product, you are the person they go to. And 
which means if you if you thrive in that kind of situation where you have communication going and liaising from multiple different angles um, and you like the idea of just owning one product or it could be a portfolio of like reagents to or an instrument or a drug, whatever it is, and you want to be headquarters based, that's the kind of role that we're talking about here. Um, it is a good role because of depending on what you want for career trajectory, which we'll talk about, but think of it as a headquarters based liaison. You're dealing with all different departments. You're the key point of contact. Anything with that product, they're coming to you. And so some of the key activities you said, right, Michael, were, okay, I need to talk to KOLs to get like a white sheet or something together, uh, marketing materials for the product. I got to I got to prepare which events we're going to go to and how that product is going to be displayed. I got to work with the event staff. I got to figure out the regulatory stuff that's involved with this product, like if it's car T cells or something like that. Um, I got to train the sales staff on the marketing angle and, and everything we're doing with, with that product. So again, you're, you own that product in that sense. I, I think that's a, a great way of saying it. Um, so you own that product. What, what kind of key decisions do you get to make? Uh, you know, uh, I know you, you have a lot of group organization and stuff like that, but like, but like, no, think about it. Like, so what, what are the stuff that you would take in your hands? Is it, yeah. you might not be able to choose the, the high level marketing angle, but what kind of stuff do you get to do on the ground or with the KOLs and, and et cetera? Yes. Um, so probably the easiest one first is the marketing material. Um, mm. Because obviously marketing is such a very tightly regulated um, piece mm. of merchandise that we sort of generate quite routinely. And especially being a clinical product as well, it needs to be even more tightly controlled and regulated. So what marketing material, um, I can make a decision about that very quickly and easily, and I can start that process. Um, if I feel like there's a particular KOL who would be very beneficial to a particular organization, um, I can bring that up and I can sort of uh, discuss this with my marketing manager, say I'm gonna create a, a clinical business project with this particular person. Um, and then, try and generate some data, some results as well, using our particular product as well. And obviously it helps them out because quite often there's a bit of a relationship that you get between the KOL and what we're doing as well. Um, what else? Some of the decision-making about, for example, there's some software um, processes within my product as well. So I need to talk about that and I can make a decision based on if I talk with my sales staff and I say, well, what do you think? How do you think this will work? And they give me the feedback. And I take it forward and say, this is what I want. Um, like if I can use that quite quickly, easily. <laughs> um, um, what else? No, I think that's good. And, and so what I want, you know, why I asked that question for those of you listening is, if you like the idea of controlling the message uh, to some extent, of course, there's regulations and so forth, but controlling the message or how an instrument's communicated or how a reagent or a product or a drug or whatever is communicated to the market. Uh, I would say there's a heavy creative aspect, even though it's regulated, you get to be creative in how you, you word things, what the, the, the key kind of headlines are and calls to actions and images and how you present it. If you like that aspect, even like uh, as far as, you know, again, presentation design stuff, it, it might be a, a great position for you. Um, in terms of some of the things you don't like, what are some of the things that are, or let's not say don't like, let's say challenging. What are the more challenging parts of the position? Um, I think the thing which I find quite challenging and which is it's actually quite a big part of the role which I'm learning is obviously the marketing side of things. Mm. You can learn business, you can learn numbers, but concepts of marketing is something which a lot of scientists don't have exposure to. 
you sort of have to rely on your own experience, what you were like as a customer mm. and what you wanted. And then you, then you need to think about, okay, so if we do it this particular way, what's the customer going to get out of it as well? And I think just like I said, it's learning the marketing context because as I said, we're not graphic designers. We know people from marketing communications about choosing particular words and particular word, associated, word associations. We are people who are very strict and very rigid with our thought process. And this creative process can be a bit of a challenge sometimes, but I really enjoy learning something new, which I've never done before. Mm. Yeah, that's a, a, a great point. You know, you might ask yourself the question if you're listening, why would a company hire a PhD into a marketing position? And traditionally, they wouldn't. They also wouldn't hire PhDs into sales positions traditionally. But now, a days, just like you see more and more PhDs moving into other fields, whether it's medical science liaison, sales, technical sales, sales support, you see more PhDs going into marketing too, because just like Michael said, which was very, uh, you know, profound and a, a very, very sharp insight, is that you, as a marketer, you need to, marketing comes down to perceiving things the way that a client would. And as a PhD, you used to be that client, at least in some aspect. If you haven't actually used that specific product, you use products like it. But you are the market, right? So you're selling instruments or reagents or whatever in this case to other researchers. You have a unique perspective that allows you to understand how a message is going to be perceived, right? So it's going to be very different than companies that might be marketing candy bars, right? Because a scientist is going to be more critical, right? They're going to want to know the facts, et cetera. And so part of marketing would be communicating that in a way that that, that clientele resonates with. And you used to be that clientele. So again, I don't think that can be talked about enough, and I'm glad you brought it up. Um, so a lot of you might be saying, well, I have no marketing experience. And I think Latasha asked this or somebody asked this, uh, Valentina asked this, you know, did you have marketing experience before you joined? I think you just answered that, but maybe you can say it again. No, I had no marketing experience. I've had no business experience um, previously. Um, everything I've learned has been done on the job. Yeah, and, and which is great, right? So, and that answer is important for multiple reasons. One, it's important because you don't need formal marketing training to get into this type of position. Um, you don't need to have a job before, which we talk about in the association all the time. You don't have to have a job first to transition into a, your first role. But also, I would be careful about how you're saying it because Michael actually did have marketing experience because he was marketed to, right? Those people that come into your, your labs and so forth. And so for all of you on here, I would highly recommend actually having conversations with the sales staff. People at Congresses as well, that's always a big thing or when they come to your yeah. site. Yep, absolutely. And that's how it starts that for me. Right. And, and think of, these are you know usually teams working together. Usually it's a product manager, project manager. They'd work close with the sales you know, salesperson for that product, as well as application scientists or whatever other field liaisons there are. Um, so these are people you can talk to to understand the marketing behind a product. You can ask questions like this or just start looking at it with your marketing eye, right? You have somebody come in to talk to you about a new product in your lab. See what the message is. Why are they messaging you? You know, what, why are they using that message? Why are they talking to you in that way? Um, why are they, you know, what pain points are they addressing? Like they're trying to help you solve a problem with their product, right? So Think about it with those terms. And you can, you know, Google a couple of things on kind of marketing terms. And, and I think that's definitely a good thing to do. Yeah. So, okay, you get into this position. A lot of us here didn't even know product manager positions existed when we were in academia or some of us are learning about it for the first time. 
you know, we know what you do now in the day to day, but where do you go, right? In a couple of years, where can you go vertically? Where can you go laterally? Yep. Um, I think I'll probably go either or direction, so vertically or laterally. Um, there's a lot of exposure. Um, there's a lot of different marketing rules where you can continue to continue climbing up that way. Or, as I said, I mean, I've got so much experience. I'm getting experience, sorry, in regulatory affairs. I'm getting experience in clean dev business, uh, business development as well. So I can switch across to one of those particular roles. If I decide I wish to go back to R&D or even sales, as well, but opportunity as well. So I think this is a really good role to actually get a lot of exposure to different areas of a particular business because mm. you are literally liaising with everyone because everyone wants to talk to you mm. about, I mean, your particular product. And so therefore you get a lot of exposure to different areas. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the experience is unbelievable from that aspect because there's very few positions in a company where you're, you're such a central hub to not only where you have to go to other people, but they all have to come to you, right? Anything to that product, they're coming to you. So you're going to get exposure to everyone. Uh, you know, we keep using this phrase cross-functional relationships. You have all kinds of cross-functional relationships as a product manager, right? You can't get you can't tell people what to do. You can't go in the R&D department or the regulatory department and tell them what to do. You have to work with them. So it's yeah. a great, great skill, which means that you're learning these skills. You get all this access. It's very easy to move laterally. But what about vertically? So who do you report to? Who does that person report to? And so on. Um, so my particular company is very, I suppose I want to say small, um, despite the fact that we are international. Um, it is a very small company. So I've got a marketing manager who I report to. And then above my marketing manager, um, she goes directly to the COO and then he goes to the CEO mm. of the company. So it's a very small chain. So it's a very lateral company that I work for. Yeah, and, it's, and I always want to point this out because when we get into industry, we start thinking of the term small and large very differently. Like a small lab is like three people, right? A small company can be like a thousand people easily, right? Um, larger companies, you know, there might be like, more junior, senior roles up in marketing manager. There might be vice presidents, et cetera, before you go to the COO. But in general, like you said, you're going to have some marketing managers. There might be a tiered system. And then the marketing managers do usually, whoever's at the top, uh, interact with the executive branch of the company. I think that's important to know because most companies are driven by either R&D or the marketing department in general. And which means that both of those Usually the marketing, though, uh, it, I would say in more cases than not, has a direct access up that chain all the way to the executive branch. You want to get into VP positions. You want to get into even uh, C-suite positions. Um, so that's important to know, and I think it's an important aspect of, of this job. And that's why it's at, you know, it's on site. It's at headquarters because you get, you'll get a lot of interaction with everybody on that chain at some point or another. Um, so now in terms of skills, what would you say are the skills – Maybe you can compare it. What are the skills you thought you needed before getting this job and then the skills you actually needed after getting it? Um, so probably the easiest one first, what I thought I needed. Um, you think that you need your science skills, you need to understand CAR-T or biology or whatever. Mm. Um, like I said, I haven't had many scientific conversations about the science behind CAR-T or biology or real in-depth conversations anyway. So the scientific knowledge is important, but it's more so important how to apply that to your particular product mm. um, then what skills are very useful um, obviously time management is very important organizational skills um, working with customers so these customers might be external customers or internal stakeholders because you are working like i said i mean with different departments as well all the time um, 
issues. So now, I mean, I think a couple of those uh, we should we should uh, focus in on on a few takeaways, right? So, what skills do you think you need? This is not going to come as a surprise to any of you listening. So, I think I need scientific skills. Of course, I need more technical skills, right? But really, it's the communication skills, the the ability to have to manage those cross-functional relationships, client-facing skills, crucial. And why is this important to talk about? Because if you're applying to these jobs, you want to say these words on your resume. I mean, you want to write them on your resume. You want to say them on your interviews. This takes us to the end of this Cheeky Scientist radio podcast episode that you have been listening to. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a review and let us know what you would like to hear more of. If you're interested in transitioning into industry, go to phdsgethired.com and enter your name and email address, and we will give you information about our PhD job search blueprint, specifically for PhDs who want to transition into industry, as well as our PhD-only 4,000-plus member private job referral network. Again, go to phdsgethired.com and enter your name and email address now. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional.